Hi guys. <laughs> okay, so tonight's scripture is Acts 21, 17 to 26. And it reads like this. When we come upon, when we had to come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went to us to James and all the others were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God has done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God, and they went to him. You see, brother, how many thousands were there among the Jews of those who had believed? They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you that you teach all Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, to telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They were certainly here that you have come to do. Therefore, we will tell you, we have four men under a vow to take these men and purify yourselves along with them and pay their vow. Expenses to see where they have shaved their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told to tell about you, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. And then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went to the temple, giving notice that the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each and one of them. Let's pray together. Father, if you have not already gotten our attention, we pray that you get it right now. And we pray for those of us who you have our attention, would you keep it? Would you deliver us from snoozing or phasing or drifting? Remind us of what a great grace it is to gather around the Bible. Remind us how supernatural this is. Nobody here is going to get it more because they're smarter, because they had a, a, a greater GPA, or because they are more educated, or because they're older or more seasoned. Uh, they've been in church longer. No one ever grasps anything from the Holy Bible without the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. So we come as cakey. We come desperate. We come trembling. We come asking and pleading. Would you let us see the wondrous things out of this beautiful text in Acts 21, 17 to 26? Would you let us see how awesome it is if we are struggling to see how awesome it is right now? Would you help me to be faithful, to just deliver the Bible, to keep myself out of the way? And would you help all the brothers and sisters who are here gathered to hear the Bible, to hear the Bible, the word of God. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You know, after we come to faith, after we're saved, it's all sanctification from there. But we're all coming out of cultures that we're so thick in, right? For the Jews, they're coming out of the Judaism, right? And they're so zealous, like what Paige brought up about that lifestyle and practice. And the Gentiles, they're so immersed in their own lifestyle and practice all the immorality and you know just eating meat with blood i mean that was no big deal for them but now in christ they have this new identity and on the fundamental things on the things that matter 
they must be firm, right? None, and, and, but on the secondary, third day, the, 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 the practices, the lifestyle habits, we ought to express a sense of a flexibility in our development, in our sanctification. And so a lot of this is great because we're going to see two leaders, right? Paul being the leader, the primary leader of the Gentile church, right? He was the missionary sent to the Gentiles. He brought the gospel there. He was the kind of the, the father figure of that Gentile church. And then we see James, who's the prominent leader of the, the Jerusalem church, which is primarily the Jews. And so in this big epic history, though, Jews and Gentiles, it's just a, they have a long history of animosity and hostility. And so you almost see when we read the title, Paul visits James, that's a thick title. There's a lot of meaning in that. It's like Gentile leader visits Jewish leader. You could read that and almost, if we were there in the day, it's like, oh, this is going to be nuts. This is going to be a face-off. This, has, this, this looks like it might be a beef. But what Luke tunes us in on and kind of points us to is that, no, actually in Christ, the opposite. There was so much unity in this fellowship. And that's why I, I, I titled the message, um, Christian, a time for Christian fellowship. I want to emphasize Christian because they are held together by Christ. And then, it, and then I have in the subtitle, Gentile and Jewish believers eager to maintain the unity. That's kind of big picture down. That's the big thrust of what's going on. That seems to be the normative narrative of what uh, Luke is trying to paint all through the book of Acts. The gospel is going to everyone everywhere. And for those who are in Christ, regardless of where you're coming from, no, you're united. Right now in this room, we're all so different. We're all from so many different backgrounds and cultures and places. And if you take Christ out of this room, you know how much walls of hostility will be put up immediately? You know how easy it'll be to tear us apart? You know how easy it'll be for us not to want to sit here anymore? But when you bring Christ in the center, and Christ really is the reason we're gathering, his life, his death, his resurrection, his call to repentance, his new life that he offers you and I to live in and walk in that freedom. I mean, when we are gathered here tonight, if this is Christian fellowship, oh, you can't break us apart. And in the moments when we're tempted to be divided on things outside of Christ, if the Spirit of God's really at work in this place, if you're really a part of a, a quality fellowship, a real Christian fellowship, I want to be, be, be precise with that. I don't want to just say church. But if you have a Christian fellowship that's centered on Christ, then we are all going to be very eager to maintain that unity. This is Ephesians 4. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is a world, there is your flesh, there is an enemy, Satan, the devil, that wants to tear us apart. He'll make sure that he makes you look at everything but Christ, everything but the common denominator of what makes you and I actually tight. See, if this fellowship is held together by anything else, if we're a surfing church, if we're a hip church, if we're an old church, a young church, a smart church, a college church, if we're any blank church and it's not Christ, it will, it will, it will fall apart. I guarantee that. I guarantee that. Because only Jesus says the gates of Hades will not prevail against my church, my church, my church, the church that professes, I am the Christ, the son of the living God. So this evening, we left off from that ominous prophecy last week, right? By Agabus, and Paul was bound, right? 
And then he was handed over. Or are you saying you're going to be bound like this and you're going to be handed over to the Gentiles? Um, all the way up until this point, Paul has been getting reminders and warnings that suffering is on the way. Remember that last week? And did he shrink back? Did it derail him? No, he stuck it. He's going to Jerusalem. Now he's finally there. And he's ready to live and die for the cause of Christ. And tonight's episode is one of those episodes where, as Brie read it, I mean, if you were honest with yourself, it's not a very eventful episode, right? There's no arrest. There's no riot. There's no nuts preaching. Uh, the prophecy didn't happen yet. It almost seems like one of those episodes that's kind of like a filler, like a slow burner. It's just kind of like some sort of action-ish before the, the prophecy happens. Because... I tell you, after this, I mean, the whole book of Acts is action, but after this, I mean, it's going to get nuts. I mean, he's, he's going to be before hostile crowds, before governors, um, before King Agrippa. Mingled in that is going to be plots to kill his life. There's going to be imprisonment. There's going to be um, epic storms and shipwreck. And then eventually, it's going to get crazy. But in case you're tempted to think that a text like this is kind of one of those you just, you just want to skim over, let me remind you that all scripture is breathed out by God. Every bit of it. Please pay attention. Tonight is not a filler. Tonight's text is so critical and so crucial and has the potential to make our fellowship here at Nu'uanu so much more tight-knit and united than it's ever been to think everyone in this room, if we take this to heart, it has the potential to really make us one and the greater potential to really glorify God, to really advance the gospel. So please, please don't, let's not skim through this message, but I hope and pray and I want to argue that if we're not devoted to true Christian fellowship, if you're not devoted to fellowship this evening, Christian fellowship. And I'm not going to say if you're not devoted to going to church, attending church. That's part of it. I think it's, it's difficult to be devoted to fellowship if you just never come to church. But I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about your attendance because you, some of us here have been very faithful to attendance, but you may not be devoted to fellowship. It's my argument this evening. Like if we're really devoted to Christian fellowship, if we take Acts 2.42, that part where they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word, but to fellowship and to prayer, fellowship, then we will become way less vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy to rip us apart. And when I say rip us apart, I mean really divide us. Because right now in this text, there's a big opportunity that the enemy is probably licking his lips at to rip the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers apart from each other again. Let's put that wall of hostility. Let's put that racism back up. Let's not make it fun to gather together for you guys. Let's, let's split you guys up again. But we're going to see James and Paul, these leaders, model so well brothers who are peacemakers. They are, they are eager to maintain this oneness. So as we go through this, what I want us to do is look at James and Paul, look at their fellowship, and then I want you to just think about your life and your fellowship what you call Christian fellowship. That's a part of your life. And I want us to compare your fellowship, how you do fellowship right now as a, as a believer, you know, and then with, with theirs tonight and just see where we land. Does that make sense? 
Let's look at this fellowship, look at how we do fellowship, and see what we can glean. See where we're off. See what needs repentance. Spirit of God, as we walk through this, keep us alert, keep us attentive. But please, more than this, don't let information get into just our brains. Break it deep down into our hearts, King Jesus, please. Let this be something we long for and desire. We want the real deal. We want to be the real deal. We want to experience real Christian fellowship. Start with us. Do it this place right now, tonight. In Christ's name, amen. We'll pick it up at verse 17. It says, and when we had come to Jerusalem, we, Paul, Luke, and the boys, oh no, yeah, Paul, Luke, and the boys, the brothers, Adelphos, the brothers, so when you see that, is it their family relatives, brothers? Who are, they, who are we speaking about? That's right. Those in Christ, the Christians, the Christians in Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem. This is important because Paul and his boys is a lot of Gentiles. And then we came and a lot of Jewish brought us, big word, received. Remember, I read slow. It pays to read. They received us. They apodekomai. They welcomed us. They accepted us. I like this word. They acknowledged us. I'm not going to harp on this too much, but I think it's worthy of our time because our generation is very bad about acknowledging people, just in general. And true. Isn't it easy to just walk down a group of uh, any room at any place in the world right now? It's so easy to just act like nobody else exists. We're so this is a big word because you got to see Jews acknowledging Gentiles. But how did that happen? Because it's not Jews and Gentiles anymore. Colossians 3.11. In Christ, there's no Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. Christ is all. So when Paul and the boys came walking, they no longer saw Gentiles. Ugh. Yucky. They saw brother. And they welcomed them. They noticed them. They acknowledged them. That is so big. And it gets better. They acknowledge them what? With gladness. They receive them gladly. We live in a time where people don't even acknowledge people. I, I tell my son, when you say hi and bye, look him in the eye. Just learn that, boy, please. Don't just... Now imagine this epic, the world would have saw this and would have expected Paul and the boys to walk in and be iced out. But then these other brothers saw him and welcomed them. They acknowledged him. And then it says, gladly, with joy. I like this, warmly. You know, people, come on. You know if a house it is really with aloha. Or if it's kind of just like stale. You, you know what I mean? I mean, all of us were in school at one point. Don't you want to come to school and someone to notice you and just say hi? Isn't it epic when someone actually says hi to you? Right? I'll feel it. We all, this is not small stuff, guys. It's especially, it's especially not small stuff because of the two parties. They hated each other. They would have never acted like this before. What happened? 
Jesus Christ. See, Christian fellowship, point number one, has a time of greeting. Now, that greeting, though, it's, it's genuinely receiving one another. You know, we've got ushers at our church. We have people who serve in that capacity. But quite frankly, biblically, every member of the church ought to be a greeter. A greeter that genuinely welcomes and acknowledges people, especially your brothers and sisters. Just pause and think right now. Like really, in our fellowship, how do we greet one another? That will actually show what you think theologically. That will actually show what you think about Christ. Because who acknowledged who in this relationship with us and God? Who came from heaven to earth? Who first loved us? Who's the great hospitality giver? And it's all, this is all flowing from the spirit of Christ. You got to see stuff like this and marvel at it. That's wild. We live in a culture that is more accustomed to shaft and ice and act like you don't exist. But when we come here, please, brothers and sisters, greet one another warmly. I'm going to fire hydrant this. Romans 16, 13 to 16, Paul says greet, and then he lists like five brothers, brothers who are with them, and then greet, and he lists a whole other people. He says, greet all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the churches in Christ say, greet you. In four verses, Paul says, greet five times. You think this was a big deal for Paul? It was a big deal for Paul. First Corinthians 16, 20. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another. And he says it again with a holy kiss. Second Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Greet every saint. First uh, Philippians 4, every saint in Christ Jesus, the brothers, they greet you. All the saints greet you, especially Caesar's house. That's also funny, especially Caesar's house. First Thessalonians 5.26, greet all the bros. Brothers, holy kiss, holy kiss. I'll give you one more. First Peter 5.14, greet one another with the kiss of love. Oh, Nu'uanu, to have a fellowship that is filled with Christ's affection. I don't know. Let me remind you, go back to the day when you were outside of this house. And when I say house, I mean outside of the family of God. Don't you have moments ingrained in your mind that it wasn't necessarily something the preacher said or the, the, the song leader that sung a song, but you saw a community of people that genuinely were excited to see each other? How about this one? And when you looked at that group, you, didn't, you couldn't compute why they were excited to see each other because they're nothing alike. How's that one? Do you see that a lot in church? Because I can see people in church being all affectionate and greeting each other with a holy kiss. And if I look at them, I could sometimes actually see why I know this guy would want to say what's up to this guy. Because, yeah, they look, talk, act the same. But you see, when someone like Lauren, who's not here tonight, so if you're listening, Lauren, I'm talking about you. When someone like Lauren, who is, correct me if I'm wrong, nine years old? Ah, I got it. Nine? Ten? Sorry. Lauren, I'm sorry. When someone like Lauren, a young man, 10 years old, goes up to a brother like Morris, 
who's just a little bit older than him. Right? Brother Morris is in the house. But, and then he says, how can I pray for you? It's like, huh? That, it's, it's when you see a teenager pushing Sandra to the bathroom and helping her get her wheelchair in. It's when you see two personality types that just typically would not mesh, and then they're going to go get lunch together. It's when you see the local brada just like, you know, getting excited to go surfing with someone who's from the mainland. Because see, in Hawaii, Hawaii culture, that's not normal. But in the church, totally normal. Why? Because we see brother, sister, and we're filled with an affection that is true and real because we received it from Jesus Christ. Do we have that here? I pray we have it. I pray we grow in it. Just assess yourselves. Assess ourselves. How's our fellowship? Christian fellowship, there's a time of greeting, and it's genuinely receiving one another. And you know when we do this, church? It really does. Paul puts it in this language, and I love it. It's, it's spreading the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. When, new, when, when non-Christians come to our gatherings and they see us greeting one another like this, it's strange. It's peculiar. Don't forget that. That's why in John 13, he says, the world will know you're my disciples by how you what? How you love each other. And does that love even flaw in the way you say hi? I pray for things like that. I pray over my houses, my handshakes, my hugs. I pray just like that religiously. Lord, anoint my houses, my handshakes, my hugs. I don't want to be fake. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I want to actually care. When I'm listening to a brother or a sister, I want to listen. And have mercy on me if I don't. See, when all of this is permeating in the house, in a fellowship, it's wild. So how are we doing? How's our greeting? Let's keep on going, but we stay here all night. Verse 18. And on the following day, Paul went with us to James and all the elders. So they had that informal visit. And now this is going to be a little bit more formal because James and the elders, this is the leadership of the church. So you see Paul, the leader of the Gentile church, is going to now visit with James, the prominent leader of the Jewish church. In verse 19, there it is again after greeting them. But look at what goes down. He related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Let's go slow. One by one. The things that who has done? That Paul has done? That God has done i love paul this is not the first time he does this in all his reports he's like this in acts 14 27 acts 15 4 acts 15 verse 12 he's always saying god has done this i love that and then he also says this though through his ministry i love that too he doesn't take away the fact that god used him but see, Paul is so awesome in his perception of ministry. He sees himself as an instrument. So in Christian fellowship, the second point is there is a time of sharing. Notice that Paul is sharing with James. And notice that James is listening to him share. We don't see here James nodding off. We don't see here James saying, okay, hey, Paul, speed it up. One by one. With all the stuff you've done, I'm imagining James and the boys just bug-eyed and glued in awe that this gospel is actually 
actually touching Gentiles. They're hearing about all the just amazing, miraculous things God has been doing through this man. And can you imagine what a ministry that was for Paul? To share what's going on in his life, how God's been using him, and then to have a brother that's really interested, that really cares. You have a, when's the last time you had a conversation like that? When's the last time you had a time of fellowship with a brother or sister in Christ and you were able to pour your heart out and share one by one the things the Lord is the Lord is doing? That's important to note. Not one by one all the stuff you're doing. Right? There's a time for sharing. But the big question is, in our fellowship, when we share, do we hear God more than we hear our name? I just read an article recently because I didn't get to go up to the SBC annual meeting with Bob and Johnny, but um, I was reading an article just because I was kind of like living through the other people who went up and stuff. It's like, oh, the highlights of the SBC. Anyway, there was this one article that a man wrote where, um, and it's, 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 he's a famous, a more renowned megachurch pastor. Um, he got up and he grabbed the mic and he, for six minutes, rambled about all the things God has done through him and his church, and all the statistics of how many baptisms, and how many missionaries, he said, how many pastors they've, they've discipled, and church plants they've done, and for about six minutes or so, he just kept going on and on about him, and he just noticed that not even God or Christ was mentioned much, or even at all, in his whole six minutes of going on, and then to follow shortly after another pastor came and brought a message to the whole convention talking about it's all about Christ and what he's doing and how he works through his word so stick to the basics i was like wow what a great contrast and then i started to think oh, i wonder what our fellowship is like i just think brother sister when you hang with brothers and sisters in christ and you guys share about your day, you share about your life, you share about all the things God is doing or hoping God's doing, just, just ask yourself and think carefully because if, if you're not intentional, you're going to miss it. But is your sharing with one another really about God and what he's doing or what you hope for him to do? Or when we share and we fellowship with each other, are we just barfing and talking about all the stuff that we do and we want? See, Christian fellowship, there's a time of sharing, but it's testifying to all what God's done, not what we have done. Psalm 29, ascribe to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name. Psalm 96, 7 and 8, ascribe to the Lord, O families. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord, again, glory, do his name name one of the great joys and pleasures i have of coming to church evening prayer is hearing everybody everybody share something epic god has done and say praise be to god let's look at what god has done see if you're a christian that's the song of your soul you get queasy and nauseous if a professed christian is talking about his testimony and it's all about him Thank you for sharing all the juicy details about your epic life and how you struggled and all the stuff you've done. But where's God? Where's Christ? When did Jesus get in there? Ascribe to the Lord. See, in Christian fellowship, there's a lot of sharing, but it's a lot of ascribing to the Lord. It's a lot of pointing all, giving praise to where praise is due. Does that happen in our fellowship? I have a question that I ask for myself. When I fellowship with other brothers and sisters, 
when I fellowship with other brothers and sisters, with you guys, if Jesus Christ in the flesh was sitting in our conversation, would he be glorified? Would he be lifted up? It's a big question. See, it's clear to Paul and it's clear to James because we'll see in his response that all these things that has been happening up in these first 20 chapters in Acts, it's all a work of who? God. Salvation is a work of God, start to finish. Verse 20, and when they heard it, they what? Oh, finally, because I touch you is never going to end. No. And when they heard it, they glorified God. You can pretend to glorify God when you hear other people share. You can pretend. But if Christ is really not the name and the renown and the desire of your soul, you will not really reflex like that. James, listen now, James is listening to another brother go on and on one by one of all the things God has done through him. How incredibly used he was. He's listening to, oh my gosh, all of this and that and that. Oh my gosh. And, and he's probably all the brothers around him are just like, oh no way. Yeah, way. Uh. He's seeing God use another person. Bless another man. Mightily. Powerfully. Probably in ways that James never experienced. And what is James' reaction? Praise God. That's awesome, man. That's a big question because I wonder... I wonder in our fellowship, I wonder in our hearts right now, if you were to hear of a brother or a sister being used by God in power in ways that is just beyond you've ever heard, would you glorify God or you'd be jealous? Would you say praise God or you'd be, well, how come, how come nobody ever said that about me? How come I know can sing like that? How come every time I share the gospel, nobody believed? How come none of my friends like come to church, but all his friends come? What goes on in your soul, Christian? What kind of fellowship do we have? Christian fellowship has a time of glorifying God. That's why Westminster Catechism question number one is great. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. For from him and through him, all things, all things to him be the glory forever. Does the thought of God's name advancing the kingdom and spreading and fruit abounding, does that get your heart pumping? Even if it was through someone else and not you? That's a big question for the ministers. That's a big question for any church member who is really wanting to live for Christ. Because careful now, we may start on the right heartbeat. But as you keep on going, that little insidious jealousy and envy and greed, it slips in there. I love that James's reaction was glorify God. When we fellowship, 
Do we expect and do we intend to give God glory? I hope so. We're going to read a bigger chunk. It says, and they said to him, okay, we're going to look at the chunk from verse 20 to 25, because it's been read twice already tonight, or reread it once. And I'm just going to highlight some things here, but we'll go slowly. So James, after all of that, brother James goes, okay, you see, brother, all the thousands of Jews that we've been praying for, they come into the faith. Well, those Jews, they're, they're, they're still real zealous about the law and the customs. And then, um, and so I'm imagining him just being like, hey, you know, we've been praying. You, you love your brothers, right? I do too. And praise be to God what he's doing with all the Gentiles. Guess what? The Jews are getting saved too. And I'm imagining Paul being like, oh, it's God too. Yeah, that's what's up. Is he, yeah, you know, and they're, they're still actually really zealous about the customs and things. And Paul's just being like, okay, that, that's cool. And then he's like, you know, well, and actually they, they kind of hate you. You know, they, they, like word on the street, bro, is not really so good about you. It's a, actually, um, I think if they knew you were here, they'd try to kill you. This is, in essence, what's going on. Now, and I want us to see just really quick, because the point for this is Christian fellowship has a time of counseling. And, I, and what I appreciate about this is we're going to see some things is James you know, in our sharing, you know, it's great when we have fellowship, it's good to share the highlights of what God's done and all this kind of stuff. But James, and if you've read his epistle, he's one of those brothers that are kind of blunt. He's kind of like straight, he's a little punchy. James is like, okay, you say you believe it, you know, do not take That's dead. That's dead faith. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. You know, he's that kind of brother. And, and I don't know, in the fellowship, that kind of constructive conversation, that type of counsel, Notice he says, okay, thanks for sharing, Paul. Praise be to God. And then he says, okay, you see something, brother? He points his attention. Okay, nobody, you've been here. I'm excited. But there's this big elephant in the room. And all us Jewish believers know this. Everyone in town hates you. <laughs> you came through the doors and we're like, yeah. But outside of this door, we know the reputation you have. And it's a wrong reputation. This is not true. Notice that James separates themselves from this. Like, we don't think this about you. We know you're not teaching this, Paul. We know that you're not trying to abolish all the customs and the laws. But this is the reputation of you in the land right now. And James is a brother that in fellowship, he's willing to have the uncomfortable conversations. He's willing to point out something that you got to imagine. This was probably tough for James to want to talk about. I bet James, when he saw Paul coming, everyone was stoked. He probably heard. He probably, he probably was like, okay, yeah, Paul wants to come over. Tell him tomorrow. Tell him to come tomorrow. Because I got to pray. That's what I'm imagining. Because James really got to think this through now. So much of our brothers who have Jewish background don't like this guy. And they don't like him wrongfully. He, he's been missing. The, Judea, the Judaizers have trashed Paul's reputation in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, every, everyone thinks Paul is about just abolishing the law. Like, don't get circumcised, da, da, da. Like, and remember, that's not what the apostles taught. Jesus says in Matthew, I did not come to the, abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to complete it. See, the apostles' teachings, especially among the Jews, was like, no, all this ceremonial stuff, it's beautiful. It actually points to Christ. It's just that all those ceremonial things like circumcision, all those things, you don't require those things for salvation, guys. This is not what makes Israel, Israel. That's why in Deuteronomy, it says in chapter six, circumcise your hearts. So Deuteronomy 30, circumcise your hearts. And it says, God's going to do that. 
So the Israelite needed to know, okay, we have this ceremony. You know, baby rat is much older than eight days. But, you know, in Jewish right culture, eight, eight days, they circumcised the foreskin. And now they're Israel. That's a mark. But what, what Israel felt, the Jews failed to realize is that that's just a symbol and a picture of what Moses is going to say. No, God's going to circumcise your hearts. And for the longest time, Israel didn't know how that was going to happen. Well, we're going to do open heart surgery. And you're going to circumcise the, the foreskin on my heart. Who's going to survive that? Even if we get the best surgeons. That's why Paul comes later along down in Romans chapter 2. You see, circumcision is a matter of the heart. It's not about being outwardly Jewish. It's about being inwardly. And that happens by faith in Christ. That's why he says in Philippians, we are the circumcision. See, Christian fellowship is beautiful. Because Christ here is, is circumcising us. And so what's going down now in Jerusalem is people don't know this about Paul. They think he's just like, oh, forget our Jewish history and heritage. I don't like do all that. Oh, I don't like circumcised no more. But then if that was true, then how come in Acts chapter 18, he told Timothy, get circumcised. See, so Jerusalem has the wrong picture of Paul. And James knows this. And so in this type of fellowship, James knows Paul's reputation is at stake. James knows there's an opportunity for there to be a big beef. And what James doesn't do in fellowship is just act like nothing's wrong. Don't we do that though sometimes? There is a real serious issue going on in the church, in the brotherhood, in the sisterhood. And are you more prone to ignore those conversations? Or will you by the spirit of God with a lot of consideration and prayer engage in those uncomfortable conversations. James is the kind of guy that's like, okay, you see, Paul, we got to talk about something, bro. I love you, but this is what's going on. So the first thing I want us to point, wanted to point out in this is notice how he says, you see, brother, meaning he is willing. He's not shying away from constructive conversations. He's willing to talk about the tough stuff. Do you have fellowship like that? Or when you come to church, is it just fluffy stuff? Hey, how's it? Oh, God's so good. Praise the Lord. God is good. It's been a good week. Do you have brothers and sisters in your life that will lovingly ask you the hard questions? Draw out the things that need to be drawn out. James doesn't shy away. And notice, as we read on, he put a lot of consideration in how to help Paul through this. He didn't just say, bro, I stoked you here. Everyone in town will like you. Socks to be you, bro. Okay, shoots, Paul. See you at the next one. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, okay, um, what then is to be done? I like that. See, in this type of fellowship, it's not just having constructive conversations. He's like, okay, what do we do? You see that? Do you have brothers and sisters in your life? That, yeah, we can put our finger on sin or we can put our finger on struggles. They can put their finger on a circumstance that you're going through that's difficult. But then they'll also say, okay, what are we going to do about this? You see that in that fellowship? See, Christian fellowship has a time for counseling. Counseling that has constructive conversations and much consideration. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider how to spur one another on to love and good works. Notice the Hebrew writer doesn't say, just encourage each other. Just come in here and just everybody encourage each other. No, he says, think about it. 
before you just go off trying to encourage each other, consider. James didn't just come up with this plan overnight. He prayed. He thought. He considered. Oh, Lord, Paul's in town, but the town doesn't want him. They're going to actually murder him. What do we do? I don't have the time to sit with all the thousands of Jews and explain to them, no, that's not Paul. No, that's not Paul. No, that, no, how do we do this? So he says, here's the idea. Hey, Paul, we get four brothers that are under vow, meaning they're in the system of doing a ceremony, probably a Nazarite vow. And then he says, um, why don't you hop in with them? Go through the purification ceremony. I mean, and, and he needed to do this because he was in Gentile territory. So before you come on into the temple and do all that kind of stuff, remember our, our traditions teach you got to go through the seven-day purification ceremony. Paul, why don't you do that? Show everybody that you're not out to be all anti-law. This is not, again, this is not so that Paul can be saved. we got to be clear on that. James and Paul believe in the same gospel. But he's talking about the impression and how we trying to communicate to these, these Jewish brothers, no. I still totally actually value the law. Actually, because Christ is actually the, what it all points to, now the law has so much more meaning to us. It's way more beautiful. That's why when we do things like baptism and the Lord's Supper, when you realize that that actually points to the person of Christ and what he did for you, it's beautiful. You don't just take the bread and cup and... But you're not going to eat your bread. Give me that. It's not like that anymore. That's why with those of us, um, those of you who are going to get married, it's beautiful because the whole ceremony shadows the Revelation 21. This whole concept of marriage is about God and his bride, Christ and his bride. See, when you understand what it points to, all those ceremonies and stuff, it's way more epic. So Paul's not against this stuff. He just knows that it's those things in and of itself that don't save him. And so James comes up with this brilliant gospel-centered idea. All right, maybe if everybody sees you doing this, Paul, they'll be like, oh, oh, we was wrong. Paul's not teaching what we thought he was teaching. That's the hope. That's the hope. But you see that beautiful counsel, constructive conversations, not running away from the tough ones, a lot of consideration, thoughtfulness into what, how we're going we're gonna to do this. And counsel is gospel focus gospel kingdom focus he's not counseling paul to go back on his message paul's not doing this to go back to the law and say this is how we get access to god no what paul is actually doing is he's embodying first corinthians 9 i'll read it to you first corinthians 9 19 to 23 though i'm free from all I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win Jews. That's what he's doing right now. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being outside of the law, that I might win under. So that means he's putting that in there. So he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to, you know, to the outsider, I'm going to be a certain way to win them, but not outside of God's law. So don't go and drink to reach the drinker. Don't go smoke Pakololo to reach the the Pakololo guys, that's not how this works, all right? That's not all things to all men. Oh, yeah, because all things to all men. No, 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 no. If you're breaking the law of God, you're, yeah, you're doing it wrong. Then he says this. I became as one out. Oh, I read that already. And then he says, verse 23, I do all for the sake of the gospel. 
This is the kind of counsel James is trying to propose. And to close, what we see is verse 26. Paul took the men, and the next day, he purified himself along with them. He went into the temple. He took the advice. See, in Christian fellowship, there's a time for submission. There's a time for responding. In our fellowship here, when you receive counsel, good, godly, biblical counsel, what is your response? Do we heed it? Colossians says we are to teach and admonish one another. From brother to brother, from brother to sister, sister to sister. Does our fellowship, does your fellowship in your life right now, Christian, do you have such fellowship? Do you have brothers and sisters that will speak the hard things to you with gospel at the center? And will you respond? How could Paul have responded to this council? He could have been, uh-uh, I know my rights. I don't need to do this no more. Right? He didn't stand up for his rights. He surrendered his rights. Why? In love. Eager to maintain the unity. Just remember in closing, why all these elements in a Christian fellowship exist? This, this warm greeting, this warm welcoming, this epic sharing that actually glorifies God, this, this, this counsel that is filled with wisdom and this responding. Like, what makes a fellowship like this? Because these elements sound great, right? Remember this. This all comes if it's Christian fellowship. If the spirit of Christ is at work in the body of believers, we greet each other like it's nobody's business. We share all things to the glory of God because we recognize it's all him. We receive counsel because we believe the spirit of God is the wonderful counselor and he's speaking through brothers and sisters. And we obey. We respond. We step together. Question. How is your fellowship? Is it Christian? Are you part of a Christian fellowship? Are you devoted to such fellowship? And brothers, sisters, if we continue on in this, because the Bible tells me so, nothing, nothing, no one, no force of evil will tear this apart. He'll hold us to the very end because in Christ, Colossians 1, all things hold. And that's what we see happening. Two brothers eager to maintain fighting for the unity in Christ. And it's because of moments like this in the history of the church that actually evangelism, a world sees a people that they've never, a peculiar people. I love Christian fellowship. I get, whether I'm preaching or not, I get excited to see you guys on Wednesday, on Sunday at the gatherings. Because I need this kind of fellowship. I need encouragement. I need to be challenged. I need to be prayed over. I need to be spurred. Some of us here this evening, I don't know how your walk's been, but you are outside of Christian fellowship. You are not committed to a people and you're suffering for it. So please, I beg, I plead with you, devote yourself to Christian fellowship. And as we close in prayer, ask the spirit of God to lead you into what that really looks like. 
You know, there's a handful of, there's some people in this room who are in the process of joining our church. And what I love it is it, it, it takes time. It's not a rush thing. Understand what you're doing. But, I, I, but at the same time, don't be so lax because when you are actually part of a Christian fellowship, all this kind of stuff happens. So as the spirit of God kind of lets certain things go as you've heard it, as we've studied it, um, I'm going to pause I'll give just a moment of kind of silent reflection. And really, 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 I just want to ask and plead with you, grow in biblical Christian fellowship. Know what that is. Not going to more church events or just listening to more Christian sermons or, or buying more Christian music. Like, what is Christian fellowship? What is being in a covenant community? Do you know it? Do you taste it? Are you in it? Are we growing in it? I'll give some silence. I'll open us in prayer and just interact with the spirit right now. Spirit and his word. So father, in these closing moments, we trust that you've been at work in us and in this place. You promise in revelation that you walk among the lampstands. So you're here right now. So in these brief moments of silence, would you commune with us? Would you deal with each soul? For we all stumble and struggle with this. We all could grow in fellowship. So lead us as we pray. Just a few moments of silence. Go to God. Father, thank you so much for letting us be a part of your family. Thank you so much for the increasing diversity that we see in our church here. Thank you that Christ is what really brings us together. I pray that you'd be with each soul, each born-again believer, and don't let there be any orphan Christians here. Don't let there be any brother or sister who is kind of just disconnected to your body. I pray that we would actually believe in your word when you tell us to be in a body of believers. It's for our good and your glory. We live in a day and an age where culture is so individualistic. Not so in your church, God. Not with us. I pray for those who are drifting and on the outskirts 
even for those who attend gatherings faithfully, but they're not really in fellowship, that your spirit would continue to press on our hearts. Don't let us go. Hold on to us, God, and draw us in. Let our tightness here at Nu'u'anu not merely be because we like the same things or because we're just cool like that. Don't, don't let it be like that. Don't let our tightness be based upon uh, just our affection for each other merely. Let, uh, let us really be knit together at the core in the soul because Christ is our Lord and he is our good shepherd and he is our father and we are his children. So when we greet each other now and when we say goodbye, let it have meaning. When we share with each other, when we dare to share, let us point all glory back to you and let you always be in the conversation, the topic of discussion. When we counsel one another, give us courage for perhaps there's some in this room, they know they need to speak to someone about something and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough but give them the courage to speak in love. And for those of us who need to be talked to, let us listen humbly and receive it well. Teach us how to teach and admonish one another in love. And when it's time to respond, when it's time to obey, when it's time to hold one another accountable and do and, and, and live, oh, Spirit of God, give us the strength to follow through. This is the type of fellowship we want. So continue to do it now. We love you. As we say amen and open our eyes and even look upon one another, let it be with renewed affection in our eyes that comes from Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for church. Thank you so much for Christian fellowship. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I love you guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of the evening. You're dismissed.